Hello everyone, I'm Dina. And I'm Charlotte. Welcome to the Grim Curriculum, and thank you all so much for being here. Yes, thank you so much. And before we get started today, I really want to share something kind of amazing that happened to me the other day, you guys. Yeah, of course. Okay, so... I've been running into podcast fans out in the real world lately, and it seriously, it is the coolest thing ever. Like, we have fans? <laughs> well, I wouldn't know because I never leave my house, but you leave your house and you're meeting the cool people, so. <laughs> oh my god, try leaving your house. Apparently it's great. Who knew? To touch I, grass once in a while. <laughs> yes, exactly. I met a lovely young lady the other day, and she was so excited and, like, I think I was more excited than she was, and she was super <laughs> excited, and we were just excited together. It made my whole week. It, it blows oh. my mind. Thank you all so much. Yes, that's super freaking awesome. We really appreciate it. Um, we have gotten through our Harvey Glattman series, and now it is time to push that knowledge out of your brains for something a little more wild. Yes, this is certainly a lighter-hearted topic, but there is no doubt that the people who witnessed today's subject felt terror that to them was very real. That's right, because today, dear listeners, we are heading down to Arkansas in the United States for a cryptid story that might just have you questioning what could really be out there. And this isn't the first time that we've visited Arkansas, is it? No, apparently it's quite a wild place. Um, so if you are up for a classic unsolved mystery, then please feel free to check out our two-part series on the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Today we will be covering the folk monster also known as the Beast of Boggy Creek. And it has been a little while since we've covered a cryptid, and we're going to be going back to them in a huge way. This absolute unit supposedly comes in at up to 500 pounds, and it is 7 feet tall. They smell like a wet dog that got sprayed by a skunk, but that doesn't stop them from wreaking havoc wherever they go. Sightings go as far back as the late 1800s. Today we're going to be discussing those, recent sightings that happened just a few years ago, and everything in between. Let's do this. It's time for the Folk Monster. We asked everyone what kind of episode they wanted after the Harvey Glattman series, and this answer was actually unanimous. The people want more cryptids. <laughs> I love a good cryptid. Some of my favorite episodes that we've done were our Jersey Devil and Mothman ones, so I'm just really excited that everyone feels the same way as us. Oh, hands down, Mothman is still my favorite cryptid. He's got a very special place in my heart. But since starting the podcast, I've learned about so many more. Even today's monster is pretty new to me. Speaking of, if you are listening and you have a cryptid that you want us to talk about in a future episode, email us at thegrimcurriculum at gmail.com and we'll add it to our list. Yes, absolutely. So, for starters, what exactly is the folk monster? It certainly isn't as well known as the other cryptids we've covered. No, it isn't. And for starters, it goes by a few different names. We already mentioned one of them, but it's also known as the Southern Sasquatch or the Arkansas Sasquatch. It was actually originally known as the Jonesville Monster after the area where it was first seen. But for the sake of consistency, we're going to be referring to it as the Folk Monster for the rest of the episode. Apparently the pronunciation of its name is a little bit debatable. There's a few different ways to say it that are acceptable, but... We're going to be sticking with the most common one, folk like poke. 
<laughs> I was wondering that when I first saw it written down, I was like, oh, this is an unusual one because it's spelled, for those of you who are on audio mediums only, it's F-O-U-K-E. So it takes a bit of imagination, I think, to figure that one out. The folk monster is said to live in the creeks along the Sulphur River bottoms in southern Arkansas, which lead to the small town of Folk. Today's subject has been the inspiration for movies, songs, and even some interesting Phineas and Ferb fan fiction. Can I tell you how I found it? Please do. Please enlighten me. <laughs> Dina just sent me a link and was like, hey, you should look at this. <laughs> like, no context. So I was curious. I, I was genuinely just, like, looking at this thing, and I was like, I'm willing to bet there's some fan fiction out about this thing. Oh, absolutely, there has to be. And I looked up folk monster fan fiction, and uh, that was the only one that came up. Wow, that is so incredibly niche. Right? I can't quite wrap my head around it. I but thought there'd be more. Kudos to the author, man. You found your little niche and you have conquered it, apparently. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> this three-toed behemoth has been described as a giant human ape-like creature that has thick, long hair and arms that hang down to its knees. Many witnesses also describe it as having glowing red eyes. Which is interesting because that's something that both Mothman and Jersey Devil witnesses report. That definitely seems to be a very common theme throughout cryptid sightings. Something important to point out about the folk monster is that all we have to go off of are descriptions because while there have been footprints, which we'll get to a little bit later, there are no photos of this big boy. But it's worth mentioning that there have been a huge amount of sightings. However, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of experts who actually believe that the folk monster is even real. But if it isn't, what the hell have people been seeing? Exactly. So let's get into the sightings. Let's start at the beginning. It's interesting because originally when we were researching this topic, a lot of the sources said that the first sighting was around the year 1945. When we dug a little further, we found that the sightings actually go back to the year 1851 when something matching the description of the folk monster was written about in the Memphis Inquirer. And by now, most of you probably know that we love old-timey articles and the cryptid ones are really something special. Once we read this particular one, we saw that the sightings could possibly go back even further. The article says... A wild man of the woods. The Memphis Inquirer gives an account of a wild man recently discovered in Arkansas. It appears that during March last, Mr. Hamilton of Greene County, Arkansas, was out hunting with an acquaintance, observed a drove of cattle in a state of apparent alarm, evidently pursued by some dreaded enemy. Can I just say I love how this is written? <laughs> This is why I love articles like this. I'm, like, I'm like mesmerized by the words. I love uh, it. So well written. I love it. Halting for the purpose they discovered as the animal fled by them, that they were followed by an animal bearing the unmistakable likeness of humanity. And okay, we're going to take forever to get through this article, you guys. Um, <laughs> honestly, I feel like nowadays that this article would just be like, man sees beast, click below. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Total, like, I, you know, there is sort of an art, I will say, to clickbait, but this whole article, even just in this first paragraph, really pulls you into the story. You're like, oh my god, what happened? Do you tell me. Right, exactly. All right, let's go on. He was of gigantic stature. 
the body being covered with hair and the head with long locks that fairly enveloped his neck and shoulders. The wild man, after looking at them deliberately for a short time, turned and ran away with great speed, leaping from 12 to 14 feet at a time. His footprints measured 13 inches each. This singular creature, the inquirer says, has long been traditionally in St. Francis, Greens, and Poinsett counties. Arkansas sportsmen and hunters having described him 17 years since. A planter indeed saw him very recently, but withheld the information lest he should not be credited until the account of Mr. Hamilton and his friend placed the existence of the animal beyond cavil. A great deal of interest is felt in the matter by the inhabitants of that region, and various conjectures have been ventured in regard to him. The most generally entertained idea appears that he was a survivor of the earthquake, which desolated that region in 1811. Thrown helpless upon the wilderness by that disaster, it is probable that he grew up in his savage state until he now bears only the outward resemblance of humanity. So well authenticated have now become the accounts of this creature that an expedition is organizing in Memphis by Colonel David C. Cross and Dr. Sullivan to scout for him. All right, so there's clearly a lot to pack there, so let's start at the top. We potentially have sightings as early as the early 1830s. Which is over 100 years earlier than a lot of sources say. This report tells of a creature that doesn't appear to be aggressive, but is also afraid of humans. And it also says that it could potentially be a human. We'll eventually cover this, but there are a ton of stories of people who ran away into the woods only to emerge decades later, so this kind of thing does happen. We also really wanted to find out what exactly became of this hunt for this mystery creature. And our nosy asses found it. For starters, a few years later, a similar sighting was reported, except this time, the creature stole a man's horse and rode away. Which, to me, makes this thing sound a lot more human. And that's a fair thought, because shortly after all of this, a so-called wild man was caught in December of that year. He was identified as a now unnamed man who just happened to work nearby. They charged him with vagrancy and found him sane enough to stand trial. He ended up serving 60 days. 60 days in a nice warm facility with guaranteed meals, which was probably a lot more than he was actually used to. The monster was not recorded again until 1908 when a man named Willie Smith spoke of a creature that his sister had seen 10 years prior. It would be written about again in the Gazette two years later due to a separate sighting of a quote-unquote strange beast. Over the next few decades, numerous residents saw what they reported as a large ape-like creature near folk. One of the most notable was a soldier who had been driving a military truck through town who reported seeing something fitting a similar description. It looks like the 50s were a busy year for the folk monster. Numerous sightings with more than one witness were recorded during this time. At least two of the reports say specifically that what they saw was like a man, but either didn't walk like one or was far too hairy to be a human. It was shot at 15 times during one sighting, but apparently the guy who saw him was an absolutely horrific shot and missed all 15 times. Lucky for the monster, right? And honestly, the sightings didn't slow down after this in the 60s either. During that time, numerous sightings occurred, again, some with multiple witnesses. 
Apparently, this wasn't a great decade for the monster due to the fact that the majority of people who saw it tried to shoot it immediately. Luckily, they all missed. In 1965, an official hunt was organized to find the monster and, of course, kill it. At this point, if I was the monster, I wouldn't want to be found either. Like, this seems like a kind of, like, shoot first and ask questions later kind of crowd. No kidding. It honestly makes me kind of sad for it because they literally said, like, during the first sightings that it was scared of humans. Maybe it was curious. Maybe it wanted to be their friends and then they just started, like, badly shooting at it. And also, what if this is some sort of hairy, feral child, and every time it tries to make contact again, they just blast away at it? Oh my god, exactly. Awful. They're not making a good impression here at all. No. In 1966, we finally get to one of the more famous sightings, now known as the Crabtree Sightings. For the record, the Crabtree family did not come out with this information until more records were released about the monster years later. Smokey Crabtree of the Crabtree family claimed that they had numerous encounters with the creature over the course of decades. These involved it approaching their home, shrieking in the woods, and also just bothering their dogs. It's important to point out that there are no reports of it actually hurting any animals. It just kind of plays around and bugs them. Something interesting that I noticed while looking into these sightings was that all of them start off with it being seen near streams or forests. Like, the majority of the sightings in the 60s, especially in the late 60s, are different because they involve it walking down the road and eventually approaching houses. I have to say, if I was, like, washing the dishes, haha, I know Cody's laughing about this because I don't do the dishes, um, but if I was washing the dishes at my kitchen sink looking out the window and this big bastard showed up, I'd shit my pants. Exactly. (laughs) Honestly, like, if you had a gun, you'd probably try to shoot at it. If it scared me, I mean, if I saw it off in the distance, I'd just be like, oh, shit, that's the Bigfoot. That's crazy. Um, (laughs) But if it was, like, snooping in my windows and, like, knocking on my door, then we might have a problem. Oh, exactly. It's like spiders in my house. You can Mm -hmm. come in my house. I just don't want to see you, and I better not find you in the shower when I'm washing my hair. That's all I ask. Exactly. You're allowed to exist. I just don't want anything to do with you. Exactly. In 1968, a woman reported that it came to her house twice in one day. It ate the food from her hog pen and then picked up her dog's bowl and licked it clean. We also get some interesting new descriptions of it during this time. One man described it as, quote-unquote, too muscular to be a human, while a woman who saw it said that it had hair all over its body and a flat brown nose and big pointy teeth like a dog. And here's the thing, we still haven't gotten to the more famous sightings yet. Let's just say whatever or whoever this thing was had a wild time in the 70s. A few things that stand out about this decade is that we have the first report of it appearing wounded. The majority of these sightings were again near the woods. And that brings us to 1971 and the Ford sightings. This is quite possibly the most famous and best documented sighting of the folk monster. When it visited the home this time, it was mad. Yeah, it was probably finally fed up from getting shot at all the time. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I blame it if that's the case. Bobby, Donald, and Elizabeth Ford, along with a man named Charles Taylor, claimed to have seen a seven-foot-tall creature covered in hair several times in one evening, it actually stuck its hand through an open window. 
Other reports claim that there were actually two monsters that night. The family called the sheriff and filed an official report. When the police arrived, they found numerous scratches on the home, as well as three-toed footprints near the windows. Nothing really came from this, and eventually the police left. But the monster hadn't. It attacked Bobby Ford later that night. It actually picked him up like he weighed nothing and threw him to the ground. He was taken to the hospital and treated for his injuries. He later reported... I was walking the rungs of a ladder to get up on the porch when the thing grabbed me. I felt a hairy arm come over my shoulder and the next thing I knew we were on the ground. The only thing I could think about was to get out of there. The thing was breathing real hard and his eyes were about the size of a half dollar and real red. I finally broke away and ran around the house and through the front door. I don't know where he went. Many of the family members were so scared by these events that they moved away and refused to return until the creature had been hunted. That same year, three well-respected men who lived in Folk saw an ape-like creature who ran across Highway 71. It was also seen by a family and a group of campers around that time. We have a ton of sightings throughout the 70s. Most of them are quite similar. We get a lot of reports of it howling and making noise during this time, which is new. A man who claimed to be a skeptic also saw a similar creature. However, this one was only four feet tall. Which makes us wonder if there are baby folk monsters. Little folkies. Can you imagine a whole family? I love them. In 1972, the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek was released. This movie claims to tell the true story of the existence of a large Bigfoot-like creature that lives in folk. The movie even has some actual witnesses of the creature talking about their experiences. It made around $25 million, which in today's money is about $166 million, so not too bad. Yeah. They actually ended up making two more movies, The Return to Boggy Creek and the legendary Boggy Creek 2, The Legend Continues, which did not do well, as you might imagine. Well, they called the third one Boggy Creek 2, so I don't know where they were at for this. They were doing the Fast and Furious naming convention before the Fast and Furious was even thought about. (laughs) There you go, exactly. (laughs) The 80s were fairly similar, but a few incidents stand out. For starters, one man reported that he was walking into the Sulphur River Wildlife Management Area when he saw four cows and a horse running towards him at full speed. Something interesting about this sighting that I'm just now realizing... Mm -hmm. is this sighting is very similar to the very, very first sighting. It is. It actually is. It's the same thing. And they're, like, if you look at the recorded, there's a recorded list of these sightings online that you can find. And if you look at it, these are the only two that involve animals interacting with it or running away from it. Makes you wonder if it's hunting them or if it was just in the area and spooked them. Yeah, exactly. Because I guess I... I'll correct myself, it did kind of interact with the dogs, but I mean, like, animals that are out there. Mm-hmm. So the guy thought that the animals were running to him, but they kept on running right past him like he wasn't even there. He decided to go see what they were running from. He then saw, quote-unquote, a large creature at least seven feet tall with long, dark brown hair all over its body. It was standing in the swamp in knee-deep water, staring right at him. That's pretty intimidating, I would say. Yeah. In 1987, a young man was frog gigging. And what Charlotte is exactly frog gigging? 
Um, well, according to Google, it usually involves a large spear to impale frogs in bodies of water so that they can be cooked and eaten. Oh. Yeah, kind of grim. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so anyways, he sees these two large glowing eyes and decides to follow them. The monster was walking upright and away from him. I'm kind of surprised that people are so willing to approach it. I was a little bit, but then I've also seen people in, like, national parks walk right up to grizzly bears and shit, so it kind of doesn't surprise me at the okay, same time. yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, but this brings us all the way to the 90s. Another busy decade for our hairy friend. In 1990, two men were driving in their car when they smelled a horrible odor. It was so bad that they decided to stop and get out to investigate it. Which, again, personally, I, I wouldn't. No, and maybe that's just because of our experiences as women, whereas this was two dudes, but I would be like, oh, it's a nasty skunk. Let us continue and get out away from the smell. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. They then saw the creature that they described as walking upright, but they were specific to point out that it definitely wasn't a bear or a gorilla. <laughs> Very specific. Very specific. We don't know what it was, but it wasn't a bear or a gorilla. It's like they were like, okay, people are going to say it's a bear or gorilla. We know that that is not the case. <laughs> so we need to make sure to mention this so that people believe us. In 1991, a skeleton was discovered 52 miles away from Vogue. It was large and human-like, but it was missing a head, tail, and claws. The hunters that found it gave it to Smoky Crabtree. And as far as we know, it was never tested. In 1992, a mere year later, six witnesses saw it at the same time. They watched it walk across the road, and then all six people talked and confirmed that they saw exactly the same thing. And that's the interesting thing about this one, is it wasn't like six friends or anything. It was like six separate people that didn't really know each other. Can you imagine you just see this happen and you look around and then you also see six or I guess five other people looking around and it's like, we just, we just fucking saw that, right? Like, I'm not going crazy. I would watch the shit out of that movie. Oh, I would love that. And then like have the six witnesses like talk about what they saw kind of thing. Yeah. I love that. So... Throughout the 90s, we have a lot more sightings of it near the road once again. This time, full families see it, along with truckers, hunters, and farmers from the area. In 1997, things got really wild. There were 40 reported sightings that year alone. Sightings that would continue up into the 2000s. Something we talked about before was that no photos exist of it. This is kind of frustrating, considering one person who claims that she saw it was a literal wildlife photographer. You had one job, lady. And honestly, by this point, we're well into the 2010s, and we still have sightings coming in left, right, and center. And by this point, you guys, a lot of people do have phones. Exactly. How are there no photos of this thing? We summarized a lot of the sightings, because if we talked about them all, this would for sure be a multi-part series. How do we have so many witnesses and not a single damn photograph? As time went on, more and more researchers went out into the area trying to solve the mystery of the beast. And some of them even claimed to have actually seen it. Which is great, but again, they weren't actually able to get any evidence that it exists. No photos, no hair samples, poop, footprints, nothing. 
Two of the most recent sightings were in 2021, where the description of the creature actually changes again a little bit. This time, witnesses describe a reddish orangutan-looking creature who walked on its hind legs and ran away when it saw them. Okay, so that's a lot of sightings over the course of a lot of time. And that's just it. If these people aren't seeing what they think is the folk monster, then what is it? Is it a bear or just possibly a man who just happens to be really hairy and lives in the woods? So let's get to what evidence we do have. Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about feet. Something important to point out is while there are footprints that were seen and casted, they aren't exactly reliable evidence. Exactly. We don't know when they were made or even exactly where. This makes it very hard to determine what they belong to. The footprints that were gathered are all a little different and they're hard to link together in any way. And the toes are a huge thing too. No toes like this have actually ever been seen on an animal. Like we mentioned, there's three on each foot. But they're three absolutely identical toesies. There's no primates that have three identical toes. This would actually make it incredibly difficult for it to walk. The foot shape also doesn't match up to a creature that is carrying a heavy amount of weight. Surprisingly enough, more recent casts have actually been compared to ostrich feet. Essentially what people tend to say when it comes to the cast is that they're most likely faked due to the fact it just doesn't make sense that they would belong to such a heavy creature. All in all, what little evidence we do have just doesn't quite add up. And that, our dear listeners, is the story of the folk monster. Let's discuss. Yes, let's. What do you what do we think here? Like what's our uh, theory? I love the idea of a giant creature or creatures that have lived in this area for centuries just because I love the thought of undiscovered creatures, especially giant ones. But at the same time, I need to see at least some evidence here and there just isn't enough. I mean, this brings me back to the Mothman and Jersey Devil photos. They're awful, yes, but at least they exist. So, like, why, after all of these years, do we not have a single photo? It's super weird that in over 100 years of this legend's existence, not one person has captured a photo or even bothered to try faking a photo of it. Because... Especially more recently when everyone has a camera with them literally all the time on their phone and especially with Photoshop and stuff these days like I'm genuinely surprised no one's tried to like fake one. I think it's probably just like big bears with like mange or maybe a skin condition or something just because of how the description kind of changes over time. But I mean like bears are hairy and they can walk on their hind legs which seem to be like two major components of this. There's like a part of me that hopes it's a completely different species altogether. I mean, it does seem like a lot of places have their own version of, you know, Sasquatch or Yeti or Bigfoot or what have you, right? Yeah, so people are out there, they're seeing something. Yeah, absolutely. So let us know if your hometown has its own cryptid or local legend. And uh, I think we might be due for a Grim Encounters episode here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So if you have a wild experience that you'd like to share with us, send us an email at thegrimcurriculum at gmail.com. Hope you all enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to find more ways to support the podcast, we do have links in the description to our Grim Trinket Shop over on Etsy. 
We also have a Patreon where you can join for as little as three bucks for some extra content and access to our Discord and lots of other fun stuff. And speaking of Patreon, we of course need to thank our VIPs. So big, big, big thank yous to... Judy, Brian, Mudkip, Hillary, Kevin, Bob, Lisa, and Pink Flamingo 20. To keep up with the latest Grim Curriculum news, make sure you follow us on all the social media platforms. We'll link, of course, all of our personal stuff down below, too. Thanks for listening. This has been The, the Grim, Grim Curriculum. Curriculum. Hey, Dina, you know digestion? Yeah. You know how the food kind of, like, gets squeezed through your digestive tract as things are processing? Yes, I do. Well, apparently, this is actually a very, very painful thing. But because we have to go through it every day, our brain just tells us it's not painful. Oh, no. <laughs> so now you know. Thanks, brain. <laughs> Bye. Bye.